This is Bunny Michael. When you approach your life from the consciousness of your higher self, the knowing how worthy you are, every aspect of your life begins to change. Your relationships, your career, your self-care, your body image, everything. Because this is the process of unlearning the conditioning of our culture that raised us to believe we have to prove ourselves to belong. True success starts with knowing how much you deserve. Following your higher self is an awakening process and it's no easy feat. But as you will hear from the callers on this podcast, our paths might look different, but our journey is the same. Welcome to EXO Higher Self. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 104. Thank you for being here. I hope that you are feeling nice and good and warm. Um, It's getting chilly over here. Today has been like a super rainy day. It's been dark all day. I've been tired all day. And it's one of those times where you start to remember, okay, this is when the seasons change and it does affect my body. Like I'm nature. We're all nature, of course. The cycles of nature are going to affect how we feel. Hello. Yes. But of course, you know, rather than thinking that we're like, why am I tired? I shouldn't be tired. What's wrong with me? And it's like, oh, you're an animal. You're a creature. You live on planet Earth. (laughs) And it makes sense to be tired, especially when it's like dark outside. So yes, um, we're entering that season. It's cozy season. It's also spooky season. I just watched this really scary show on Netflix called The Watcher. I can't even believe I watched it all because I don't do good at horror anything because I'm way too sensitive. But it had a lot of like really funny actors in it and stuff. So I wanted to watch it and I did. I got through it. It was fun. It was also really scary. (laughs) So I don't recommend it if you're really sensitive to that. But Yeah, I'm trying to get into the spooky season stuff. We also decorated our house for Halloween. I got like a big skeleton. I put it on the porch, sitting on the bench. It's gold. It's cute. Um, A little spider web stuff. Um, I have this like mermaid skeleton thing. That's really cute because it's like a fish scale or fish bones. Anyway, I I love the holidays. I love doing different holiday stuff, probably because I'm a Libra and I love aesthetics, any type of aesthetic. I'm into it. I also got to do something pretty fun uh, this weekend. I went to an event for The Big Quiet. The Big Quiet is like this organization that does these mass meditations. And the really cool thing about it was that it was at the planetarium in New York. And I haven't been to the planetarium since I was like a kid. And I remember that was my favorite field trip to go on when I was little was the planetarium. So when I got invited to go to this thing and I went and I, you know, sat back in that seat and they showed like from the earth through the Milky Way, expanded past all like the billions of stars in our Milky Way, then out to like the billions, hundreds of billions of galaxies. I mean, it was so cool and so beautiful, you know, to get that experience and really like have some kind of visual to literally how mind-bogglingly 
large our universe is. I mean, your brain can't even understand how big it is. And just knowing how many planets there are out there and just like, oh, it kind of made me feel a little weird at first because <laughs> I was like, oof, like a little shudder at the the magnitude of it. But the experience was was so cool. And I just love bl- being at the planetarium. Even if I wasn't there for that meditation event, like I would have seriously thought it was so worth it just to go sit um, and and look at the stars and look at the galaxies. It's just so beautiful. And it really just looks like you're in this like giant cell, you know, it's so awesome to be reminded that like in all of our bodies is the same stuff that's in the stars. And like, we have all of these cells in our bodies that are little, like little mini universes. It's just so cool, man. It's so cool. This life really is so magical (laughs) and beautiful. And it's really important to like, as much as we get caught up in our like tunnel vision of like our lives and our jobs and our relationships and, you know, the daily grind to just kind of look out into the sky and be like, there's so much more out there. There's so much beauty out there. Like, is it really worth getting stressed over this thing? Like, can I take a deep breath and be like, oh yeah, I'm stardust. Wow. That's cool. Wow. (laughs) So anyway, go to the planetarium. Highly recommend. Check out the Big Quiet. They're a pretty cool organization. And let's get started with those questions. The following question was submitted on our site. Hi, Bunny. Thank you for your work. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the idea of deserving. Deserving life, love, experiences, goodness, survival. Today I heard news of a beautiful person I know suddenly passing and one thought that comes to mind is that could be any of us. Why do any of us deserve to make it and experience the fullness of life? A part of my healing practice is to journal and to remind myself that I deserve to exist and be a part of this world and create a beautiful life. I grew up very religiously controlled and sheltered, feeling like I was looking at the world from inside a glass house. And I remember my dad saying once that none of us deserve anything because it's all by the grace of God. That stuck with me. In a lot of healing circles, or even when we try to motivate our friends, we say things like, you deserve better, etc. Do we? What is the line between your higher self knowing what you're worth and then feeling entitled to experience what you think you earned. Would love to hear your insight. Hi, sweetheart. Well, first of all, I want to say I'm very sorry about the loss of your friend. Um, I know you must be grieving and that's really, really hard. And especially when things like this happen, it's very understandable to be thinking about death and life and what we deserve and why it seems so unfair that people lose their life so young and in all of those questions. And they're all very, very important questions. And it makes sense that you would be thinking about all of that stuff. What I do have to say about the higher self perspective is that from the higher self perspective, we are all deserving because we were all created whole. And At the same time, we come from a culture 
and I'm talking about Western culture that is very influenced by Christian doctrine. And a big part of Christian theology and traditionalism and fundamentalism is this concept of the fall, which is the story of Genesis. And we all kind of know Adam and Eve and Eve bit the apple. And that was the quote unquote original sin. And from that point, when Eve bit the apple, God has put humanity in what we call the fall, which is punishment for that sin. And so we are forced to live a life of sin. And we feel things like suffering and shame and guilt. And we need to repent and we need to be saved in order to reach heaven. Otherwise, we are sinners um, bound for eternal damnation in hell. And Jesus died on the cross, God's son, according to this tradition, for the ability for us to be saved. So it really comes down to this belief that fundamentally we are sinners and that we have to live a life of obedience um, and that nothing is just given to us, right? We have to earn our own salvation. Now, that is one interpretation of that story. And not every Christian sees it that way. Um, I'm not a Christian. I'm not religious. But I do find meaning in that Genesis story. However, I see it differently. And I see it from this idea of sin being when you stray from the path. So the word sin originally comes from a Latin word meaning to miss the mark. It was an archery term. To miss the mark or to miss the point of life. And sin is when you make a choice that isn't in alignment with your higher self, for example, or with love. So rather than thinking of it as God punishes us for our sins, it's that we punish ourselves by making choices that aren't reflective of what we deserve. And that's the interpretation. That's the perspective that I see this stuff from. And when you look at this separation story in terms of the fall, in terms of when, you know, we started to have feelings of shame and, and you know, questioning our sexuality and, and all that stuff, you know, the story of Genesis and everything. Um, for me, that really is a talk of when we started to separate ourselves from our higher self. And... Some people would say when we started 
separating ourselves into like the self and the ego or, you know, this, this point of time where we lost our connection to our true essence and the wholeness of who we are just for being ourselves. And so now our world is so largely off the mark because we've forgotten our worth. So your father said that we don't deserve anything by the grace of God. Now you could look at that in two different ways. You could say that he's saying, oh, only God gives us some grace or only God makes us deserving. We have to seek God's approval to be deserving. Or he could be saying that everything has God in it and that we have God within ourselves and we are here because of God. And so we deserve things because God created us. And I'm not sure which, what your father meant, but if I could give some kind of perspective that might help you understand a little bit, the higher self perspective is that we are all deserving of love, safety, abundance, joy, and the suffering of the world. And there's so much unnecessary, unnecessary suffering of the world, but that isn't the result of God punishing us or the universe punishing us or whatever word you want to use. It's not because we are inherently bad and we need to prove our goodness. It's because we've forgotten our goodness, our essential nature, our wholeness. And so we're clinging, we're clinging, we're clinging to all of this outside validation. And we get so off the mark and we want more and more of this and more and more of that. We want power. We want control. We want to oppress other people in order to feel good about ourselves because we have lost our worth. And so this podcast and what I'm trying to do here is to remind myself and everyone listening of their worth, of how much they deserve, and to make choices based on knowing what you deserve. Now, when you mention entitlement, that could also mean something beyond this idea of deserving because we are whole. It could also mean, entitlement can also mean thinking you deserve more than other people. And a lot of people feel entitled to power. They feel entitled to um, greed. They feel entitled to take, take, take. They feel they are more entitled and more deserving than other people. And that's where it gets really tricky, right? So it's really about honing into, okay, what lens am I seeing this through? Not just that I'm deserving, but that we all are. And that's the difference. This is about tearing down this hierarchy where some people are more deserving than others. And only from that place can we truly create a world of love and harmony and equanimity. When we stop grasping and taking from each other and hurting each other in order to feel alive, in order to feel like we matter. When we 
change the world and help each other awaken back to our truth, which is that we've always matter. Everybody matters and that we don't have to prove that we deserve to be here and that we were all created to be ourselves. And that is enough. And it's from that perspective, which we act in the world and we help to transform our lives and we help other people love themselves as well. And yes, that doesn't mean we're not going to experience suffering. We're not going to experience loss because part of being human on this planet is loss, is the transient nature of our human bodies. And so people around us will die and eventually we will too. And it's sad. It is sad to lose people we love. It is sad to see somebody live a short life. But there's a difference between somebody losing their life within the natural cycle of life and death and somebody losing their life at the hands of somebody else through the through the hands of violence or or those human choices god or the universe or whatever word you want to use isn't up there punishing us people don't die young because they didn't deserve to live People die, people suffer a lot of the times because of other people's choices, because of them being off the mark and hurting other people. And then people die in circumstances that are beyond our control or beyond our understanding. And there is still so much mystery. There's still so much we don't know about what is beyond this world, about where we go after we die. So as sad as death is, as difficult as it is to lose people, as tragic as it feels, as, as painful as it is to experience that, it doesn't mean that death is wrong or bad or not safe. It doesn't mean that after we leave these forms that we don't go somewhere better and more loving. There's a lot of mystery about our lives, but even though we don't have all of the answers, what we do have is the ability to love ourselves, to love each other, to remind ourselves and each other how deserving we are, and to help create a world that is reflective of that. So much of the suffering of the world is unnecessary preventable. So I hope that helps a little bit. I have a book recommendation. It's called A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. And it is such a beautiful book and talks a lot about God, but coming from a more spiritual, mystical understanding, it uses language that is more traditionally Christian. She is talking a lot about her relationship to another spiritual book called A Course in Miracles. And that's a lot more dense, um, deep 
beautiful stuff. I am very much into A Course in Miracles, but I think A Return to Love is a very good intro book into those concepts and to see if that's something that you are more interested in investigating or, or going down that path. So pick up that book if that resonates with you. I'm sending you so much love. Take care. Hello, Exo Higher Self fam. It's Bunny here. I am so thrilled to announce my debut book, Hello Higher Self, an outsider's guide to loving yourself in a tough world is now available for pre-order. This book is the essential manual for unlearning your limiting beliefs that have been ingrained in you by the toxicity of our culture and your trauma and your socialization. We all have to unlearn this stuff so we can channel the power of our higher self. And everyone who pre-orders this book will receive a special free gift from me to be announced shortly. So hurry to the pre-order link in the show notes and get yourself a copy. I cannot wait for you to read it. The following question is from an email. Hi, Bunny. First, thank you so much for your podcast, your advice, and the energy that you put out into this world. I'm a fairly new listener, although I've been going back through older episodes on my long autumn drives and have gotten so much from listening. But my question actually comes from listening to the podcast. Having heard lots of questions from other listeners who seek advice on holding more space for their partners or looking out for their own boundaries as well as others, it's made me realize that I often see compromise or respecting and working around others' boundaries as some kind of loss on my own part. My father was a very complex, flawed person who was doing the best in the way he knew how to, but he was quite an openly selfish person. And the way I most frequently saw that manifest itself was in my mother having to work around him. We would only go on the trips he wanted to, eat the food he wanted, watch the TV shows he wanted. These are somewhat superficial examples, and there were much more deep-rooted examples of this. But to summarize, I feel as though I never really knew who my mother was until she split up from my dad when I was 14. I think because of this, at least in part, I've gone too far the other way. As a cis woman, I sometimes feel the need to stand my ground even when I'm not sure why I'm standing it, as if respecting someone else's boundaries that don't match mine means I'm compromising who I am. What I wanted to ask your advice on is how to get away from this idea. Is it just that I'm not in a healthy enough place in myself to give someone else the respect, space, and time they deserve? I was in a five-year relationship that ended a few months ago, and when I look back, I really can't think of many times when the two of us had a differing of ideas or values that led to me backing down from my point of view or compromising in any way. Am I just selfish and that's that? I would love to be able to hold more space for other people and stop seeing someone gaining something as me losing something. But I feel a little lost and I don't know where to start. Thank you for all you do. Hi, babe. Well, it makes total sense that you have taken this position of not wanting to compromise because you grew up in a home where you saw your mom constantly compromising and you saw how that led to a lot of unhappiness and an unhappy marriage. 
and her stifling her personality and you didn't really get to know her until she got out of that dynamic. So what does that teach you? That teaches you that if you compromise yourself, you're not going to be able to be who you are. But there's a really big difference between compromising stuff and also not being authentic to who you are. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. When we are in a relationship, obviously we have different needs. They're not always going to match up with our partner. We're going to have disagreements. And we often think we know what's right. (laughs) We often think we know even what's right for us, but there's so much value in seeing things from another person's perspective in compromising in trying to do things differently and learning about other people's needs and valuing them for who they are. And at the same time, valuing you for who you are, you can compromise on something while still knowing that your needs are valid too. Because the whole point of a relationship is to build together. And that's going to take give and take on both sides. A relationship is a collaboration. That means it has a bit of you and a bit of the other person. That is what a collaboration is. A relationship is not an extension of you. And that's it, right? then it just becomes all a projection of your wants, your needs, your beliefs. And that's what leads to such imbalance as what happened with your parents. So it's necessary to find that balance. And what we do on this path is we heal those cycles from our parents, our caregivers, right? We break the cycle, we find the balance. We are the healing. So it's great that you come from the background that you do to see what happens when people sacrifice their needs in a relationship to that extreme end. But now you can adjust it a little bit to say, oh, okay, I need to find balance. It's not just that. It's it's meeting. It's both. It's both knowing that my autonomy is important, but also knowing that my partner's autonomy is important. So how do we work together to reach our goals? And what are our goals? Our goals are to continue to grow, heal, support each other. That's the goal. Relationships are not a competition. It's not about winning or losing. It's not even about being right or wrong. It's about collaboration of love. And that requires both people to feel seen. And even if you're making a compromise, you still need to be heard. And even if your partner is making a compromise, they still need to be heard and validated. So let's say, for example, I'll just use my life for example, because why not? (laughs) So I have certain needs based on my wounds, um, my beliefs. And one of those is that I 
really want the house to be clean when I get home from work. And the reason why I want the house to be clean when I get home from work is because I want it to feel peaceful when I get home. I don't want there to be any clutter that makes me feel anxious. I'm tired. All of those reasons. Oh, also because I grew up in a home that was always clean. It was always needed to be cleaned. So I also associate home with being clean. <laughs> now, my partner doesn't have the same need. The house doesn't need to be clean all of the time. They're a very clean person. They clean all the time. That's not the point. The point is, is that like, they're not nearly as sensitive about it as I am. So how do we compromise on this? Like from one perspective, I could get all huffy and puffy. Like I need this, like I need you to do this for me because this is my need. And they can get all huffy and puffy and be like, that's not what I need. I need to not worry about this. And that's how I need to go about my day. So what do you do in that circumstance? I mean, how do you compromise while both people feel seen? This is what you do. <laughs> you find something that works for both of you. So for example, if it's difficult for my partner to do that, I have to be a little bit more patient with what they're capable of doing or how easy it is for them. And then they also have to be a little bit more diligent about getting it done or helping to get it done. So we both have to change, right? I have to change in terms of not needing to be such a stickler and they have to change in changing some habits. And when we look at it from the perspective of that, where both of our needs are valid, we actually can really appreciate the changes that our, each other are making. Not feel like, oh, we deserve it, but that it's a gift and recognizing it as a gift and being fully able to appreciate that compromise as a gift of love. And then you being able to give what you can give. And out of that, you're doing something for each other that is very loving, collaborative, and able to, you know, meet each other's needs. Maybe not always perfectly, but the effort is there. And then you, you create new routines together new ways of doing it as a couple. Your life is not going to be the same if you're in a relationship. It's not going to. You have to figure out what it looks like together when there's, you know, obviously relationship compromises. Now, at the same time, there are certain things in our lives where we don't compromise on, certain values, certain things that we, where you know hey, I can't compromise on this stuff. This is too big or uh, too serious or triggers too much of my wounds or this to me is a moral issue and, and all of that kind of stuff. And we know what that big stuff is, right? We know what those big compromises or what those big issues are that aren't you're not willing to compromise about. And we all have that boundary. We all have that line that lines in the sand is different for all of us. And that really takes us really understanding, okay, who we are, 
what's important to us, what makes us compatible with another person. And we can go into the nitty gritty of all of those different issues. They're different for everybody. But not everything is, is like that. And there really is a lot of value in learning how other people do things or learning how other people operate in relationships. And you actually expand your skill set. One of the greatest things about having a partner or being in a friendship with somebody that's different from us is that we actually expand our skills. Like we, we learn from them. We learn new ways of doing things or new ways of seeing things. We can get so stuck in our ways. We think it's the best way, but it's not always the best way. You know, I've learned so much from my partner, all of the ways in which we're different. That's what I've learned from them. They've taught me so much about how to just, you know, chill the F out sometimes. It's not that big of a deal. Like you can relax sometimes. And in turn, they've learned a lot from me about how nice it is to have a very organized refrigerator. (laughs) So it's like, you know, that's really what it's about. And it doesn't have to be this battle. When you recognize that each of you are enough and valid and special and all the things that you're bringing, bringing to the table are important and make you who you are, you can really start to see how the other person just wants to feel seen, but also wants to give and love you too. And you can start to feel really grateful for all of the ways in which you can show that you're malleable in certain ways and your partner can too. It's really a beautiful thing. On the big stuff, that's what you have to judge with your heart and your higher self will let you know what's uncompromisable. But there's so many ways in which we can be giving and we actually get so much from that. We really do. There really is no difference between giving and receiving, truly. But that's why it's so important to talk about your needs, right? Because when you are telling somebody your needs, you're giving your partner the opportunity to show up for you. So withholding your needs is actually denying something to the relationship. Your interests, your authenticity is one of the greatest gifts you can offer. And if you always have to have it your way, you're not letting yourself receive the gifts that your partner has to offer. Like your partner's perspective is a gift to the relationship. And when you see it from that, like when you both see each other like that, you really value each other. You're really like, oh, I get why this person came into my life. Like this relationship is healing me. It's ex- it's helping contribute to my expansion, to my awareness, to my understanding of this world. I'm learning from them. And you learn from each other. You're doing an amazing job, right? You got a big part of it down. You know your needs matter. But don't limit yourself in thinking that you also don't need what it is your partner has to offer. 
Okay? All right. Sending you so much love. Hi, Bunny. Um, First off, I just wanted to say thank you so much for the work that you do in this podcast that you have. Um, I come back to it time and time again, and I really think it plays a special role in just the way that I see myself. And I know that other people see that too. So I think that it's just bringing a lot of love and light into the world. So thank you. Um, My question is about creativity and feeling kind of stuck in a rut. Um, And I'm wondering what you do or or what you suggest to do when you feel like you just don't know what to make anymore. Um, I do stand-up comedy, and I've been doing it for around almost a year now, so I'm still pretty new. Um, But I was really in the, the routine of producing shows and writing content and journaling every single day. Um, and then I started to kind of explore more about the feelings and, and, and the things inside of me that I haven't let myself emotionally feel for a while, doing like a lot of inner healing work. Um, and it's become hard to find things funny right now when I, when I'm dealing with all of the stuff that I haven't dealt with in so long. And I feel a lot of guilt for not creating. I feel very stagnant. And I'm I'm just wondering if you have any advice. Um, anything would be helpful. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. Hey, babe. Well, I mean, I know I can totally relate to feeling like, oh, what is it that I'm going to be making? Or I don't feel motivated to be creative. One of the greatest lessons that I've learned about creativity is that When you're not doing it, that can be the most valuable time for your creativity or your experience as an artist, like the time when you're actually not creating, because all of those experiences are going to be fed back into your work when you're ready for it. Like what you're going through right now, you're healing that stuff that you're, you're working on. Like that is so, so important so important to your understanding of who you are in your life and who you are as an artist. All of this stuff is going to eventually come into your work at some point, but you don't have to rush that. And I can already even picture it, you know, (laughs) because comedy, first of all, it's so cool that you're a comic. Amazing. But I guarantee you, like, when you do start writing comedy again, it's going to be somewhat talking about this stuff, (laughs) somewhat reflecting back on, like, how hard this time was for you or, like, the healing journey, you know? Because that's really what our creativity is. It's, like, a channel for us to basically just express who we are, but... In order to really feel that, we have to be connected to who we really are. And your body and your higher self has a natural cycle and tendency to know when it needs to kind of dip in and dip out. And if you're going through a particularly difficult time and you're healing, like, that's very important. Very important. And yeah, things are like, not feeling funny, but like I can totally see a future time where you're talking about how not funny this was. And then you're like making a joke out of that, you know? So trust yourself, 
Like trust yourself as an artist. Trust your higher self. Trust your healing journey. This is actually all part of it. Your creativity, your expression, your experience, your healing. It's all the same stuff. It's all feeding into the same stuff. It's all feeding into you understanding that you're valuable. And that is such a huge part of honing in your voice as a creative person. Because so much about being an artist and a creator is knowing that what you have to say matters. And for that to be sustainable, you have to keep working on yourself. You have to keep doing your inner work. So it's not like this stuff is separate from your comedy. Just because you're not actually writing comedy right now doesn't mean what you're experiencing is not going to be extremely valuable for your artistic career. I can't like say that enough. Like I can't tell you how much our healing journey is essential to our artistic expression. Even if it's like comedy, it's so, so essential. And when we deny ourselves our healing, when we actually stop working on ourselves, that's actually when we can lose our creative juice because we're not staying in touch with ourselves, right? So you're doing amazing. You're doing really, really good. As much as like, it doesn't feel like that. As much as it's like, oh, I haven't been working on my art. Actually, you have. You really have. You really, really have. And as somebody who has been doing art, performing, visual arts since... For over 20 years, this is so important. I just want to tell you you're doing amazing. You really, really are. So trust yourself. Keep going. You got this. All right, friends, that wraps up this episode. Thank you so much to the people who sent in this week's questions. Y'all are beautiful, amazing humans, and your vulnerability is so generous and we all appreciate it so much thank you to everybody who listened remember to rate us and review us to share the podcast and don't forget if you're interested in ad-free episodes in our bonus episodes that come out every other week make sure to sign up for our patreon or become an apple subscriber and guess what this week on Saturday, we're going to be putting out a bonus episode, part of our Bunny at Home series, and I'm going to be on there with Kara. We're going to be answering listener questions and going to be talking relationship stuff. So if you want a little bit of my home life, Bunny at Home bonus content, make sure to sign up. All right, everybody, take care of yourself. I love you so much, and so does your higher self. Don't ever forget it. I will see you next time. Bye. Bye.